All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite city. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ come upon you! This is my boomstick! What's your favorite scary movie? Hello, whoreheads, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Daniel DeBona. And I'm David Uyoa. And boy, do we have one that we drug up out of the depths of obscurity this week <laughs> through a very securitous round of logic that I don't venture care to take you guys on that adventure. Uh, I came across <laughs> this idea, this movie called Antrim, and it was something I'd never even heard of before. And I started reading into it a little bit. And I was like, okay, well, that, that sounds really interesting. And we were kind of trying to fill up the calendar and we decided to go with it. So if you are coming into this and you are 24 hours off watching it like we are, then come along for the ride because Antrim is something. What we get from the movie <laughs> Antrim is it starts off as a documentary about the deadliest film ever made, a movie called Antrim. So we have two Antrims. We have Antrim, the deadliest film ever made, the documentary that we're watching. And we have the movie Antrim that's sandwiched into the middle of these two pieces of documentary. There's a lot of layers that we get in this. And they, they start off interviewing filmmakers, talking about how this movie was created. And it, the first time they showed it, the theater came on fire. People die every time they see it. But they got a hold of one of, if not the last copies in the world. And then you get out. Then they, they show you the movie. And it was strange the way it all went down. It was That's one way of wording it. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it, was, it was a definitely an, an interesting and decently unique take on this idea of found footage, of horror documentary, mm -hmm. of all of these things. And so I'm going to start off because... It's really easy to get lost in all of that and to forget the one simple question that we always want to start off with, which is as we jump through all of these hoops to get to the movie Antrim, is this movie scary? Um, you know, I think it is. Um, it's it's kind of weird to describe it as scary because I don't think anything scary happens in the movie. Correct. Um, what I would describe it as is disturbing. Yes. Uh, right from the beginning, they kind of establish that they're using uh, video language, film language, to affect the um, the um, the the viewer. Yes. The way that the film reel moves the speed at which it moves the direction uh that it's moving in all of that is weird yeah it's it, it's weird it's not shot in um in a in a in a native speed i i don't know what exactly it is that they're doing but there's there's a lot of tricks that 
um, these two filmmakers used to put you on edge. Um, so there's there's nothing that I think is actually scary here. So it's not like there's um, you know a, a killer that's chasing these people. You know there is a, a one small portion of the movie that has to do with cannibals, right. um, which kind of comes out of nowhere as everything in this movie does. It doesn't come out of nowhere though. And I'll get to that. <laughs> oh, okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, 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 Daniel's cult corner. Uh, <laughs> you soon. Um, I, I, I did feel uneasy yes. watching this movie, um, which was the purpose of this movie to, to me, the movie in reading about it seemed almost like an experiment in horror film making. Right. Uh, so it's more like a concept film than it is a uh, a narrative, which they they kind of frame it within this mockumentary style, which uh, it, to me was baffling because mockumentaries tend to be very comedic. Yeah, like and and that's the thing. Like I keep I keep wanting to refer to it as like a pseudo documentary because I feel like when you use that word mockumentary and you get mock at the beginning, it, it sounds like you're doing something satirical when this mm -hmm. is just a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a fake documentary. It's a fake documentary. It's a pseudo documentary. I, I think fits better than mockumentary because I agree. Yeah. Uh, but like by, by definition, it is a, a, a mockumentary. Yes. You know, uh, so so it's weird for it to to be something that isn't at all funny. You know, there, no. there, there's 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 a couple of moments where there was um, where, where there was humor, but mm -hmm. it, it was it was just that it was like moments of humor. It was definitely not a funny movie. No. Um, and, and, and I think that's okay because that's that's not what they were going for. Um, I still haven't decided if it was a good movie. <laughs> um, I, I still haven't decided whether I liked it or not, uh, which is weird because we have to give a rating to this right. at the end. You got 90 minutes. Um, yeah, <laughs> that'll come to me. But I have decided, uh, and, and actually the decision was made for me because it was very effective at this. It did move me in a yes. way. Uh, it, it compelled me to keep watching because I was constantly on the edge of my seat, um, not knowing what was going to happen next, because everything seemed to be um, kind of just thrown at you. It was almost like a fever dream. Yeah. Um, I don't know that it, the documentary angle really works. Uh, it, it seems kind of shoehorned in there. The beginning kind of the beginning kind of works and it sets everything up. The last part to me, I don't know. I feel like it was just thrown in there. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think overall, this is definitely a movie that I would recommend to certain people. It's weird because uh, normally movies like this, I'm like, yeah, you know, it's such a, a niche thing. I can't imagine myself watching this again or with someone else or uh, recommending it. But I kind of see all those things happening at some point. Yeah. I don't know about you, Daniel. So this movie, for me, anyone who's been listening for a while, this movie ended up coming straight up my alley with no idea what I was getting myself into. This thing ended up being 
the type of movie that I am going to and am currently obsessed with. This movie, I, the documentary angle at the very beginning, I think, I think that you're right. I think it was kind of shoehorned in there. And I think it was created as this way to set it apart from just being like, oh, we found this old movie from the 70s, you know, and, and it separates it from that found yeah. footage type film. But yeah. is this movie scary? Uh, it's yes. Yes. This movie is very scary. Um, however, scary wouldn't be my go to word. To describe this movie, this movie's disturbing. This movie's unsettling. Yeah, yeah. This movie, uh, this movie takes itself so freakishly seriously that it it's you. Even if you wanted to joke about like how serious and intense this movie is, you couldn't because it's mm -hmm. fully aware of how serious and intense it is. I do like the documentary setup at the beginning because it kind of lays this groundwork for you being ready for these weird things. It's not uncommon to watch a to watch a scary movie and there be the random scene kind of spliced in or things get bizarre. So what they did with the documentary angle was was they got you ready for that. Mm -hmm. And I love that they, they dropped references to these, the, uh, all the other films that when you watch them, you die, you know, they reference, uh, Ringu yeah. and, uh, John Carpenter's cigarette burns, which if you've never seen yeah. is, um, it, I think it's from like Showtime masters of horror or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, incredible. It was hyped that they, uh, talked about cigarette burns, but they, they set all that up and they tell you all these stories and they tell you that it's going to mess with your head and all this. And I think that that's, serves to keep you on edge immediately and you're so focused on watching for these things that i can't wait to watch this again and find out if there are times where i was actually seeing things or if my brain was so attuned to be looking for things that i was seeing <laughs> things that weren't there yeah. I, I think that this movie is scary i do i, I think that there's there's a tone to this movie that is that's bothersome and, and not in a bad way, just in a way that you're you're never allowed to relax. And not even that you're like tense the whole time. It's not like a uh, it's just a what's going on <laughs> and, yeah. and and not in a bad way. And but I finished this movie about 24 hours ago. And this movie has been, it, it's, this is, this is the film equivalent of an earworm for me. I, I've, mm. I've been able to think of nothing but this movie. I have, I have poured over this thing. Uh, I have, I've, I've pulled out books. I've been reading. I, I like the documentary part at the end because they give you just enough to where you can either decide, okay, I get that. And I'm good with, with why that stuff went, or they go, here's a couple more seeds to help with your research. That's why I ended up loving the end. Cause I was like, Oh, this saved me so much trouble as opposed to just like trying to Google image search this sigil. Right. They, they gave me what it was. Here it is. Yeah. And, but then I was able to take that and, and read so much more about it. And, you know, whereas with hereditary, I was kind of left on the fence. And I, I mean, I found this stuff, but it was a lot harder. Well, of course you did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> With this, it was the the initial kernels weren't hard to find. But what I found myself doing today was playing this movie on my phone and like screenshotting 
and like frame by framing and trying to get all of these different things that just appear for just a second. Just as a reference, just, just for as we get into this episode for the listener, things I've done today. Watch this movie on my phone with no volume just for screenshots. <laughs> Translated Latin <laughs> in Google Translate. Um, Research sigils and magic circles. Uh, uh, combed and poured over Lesser Key of Solomon, uh, looking for some of these uh, sigils that aren't explicitly described. I've been going insane, but I've had so no, much fun. No, you haven't, with it. man. This this is your wheelhouse, dude. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I haven't been going insane. I've loved every minute of this. Yeah. But I think that this movie establishes this weird real world aesthetic so early that it leaves you when you watch The Ring. Even though they show you the movie, you're never left thinking, "Oh, I'm going to die in seven days." Because they established that the ring is a movie that exists in the world of Ringu. Mm -hmm. And so the people in the universe of Ringu watch the ring and they die in seven days. This establishes that Antrim exists in our world. This is our world. Here's real filmmakers going by their real names, looking like they're shooting from the hip about this. And now we're going to show it to you, including a legal disclaimer that's like, hey, if you keep watching and you die, that's not on us. They do so much to make this real world that I, I loved that. Uh, at, at the documentary part at the end, talking about binaural beats, I, a mm-hmm. lot of that, uh, that, that, that's very real research. And uh, it's, there are apps you can download on your phone that are, you're supposed to be able to put on headphones and, and listen, and it's supposed to make you feel high and stuff like that. If you listen to these certain beats, mm-hmm. it was, they, they did a lot but I, I really appreciated the way that they kind of went about it. And so, like we've talked about here, this movie is presented in three parts. We open with this documentary where they explain what Antrim is. Then they show us the actual film Antrim. Antrim. Then they give us this epilogue kind of documentary as credits roll. So what it's really striving to do is push you as a watcher beyond what you might necessarily be looking for in a horror movie. So like, did, did all of these three things work together? And, and I'm going to put you on the spot here. Cause I want to know, did, did you think it was good? Was it, was it just, or was it just found footage nonsense? I don't think it was found footage nonsense. Um, I think that they tried to do something new with the found footage genre. Um, and I think generally it works. Um, it works because it's it's effective at making you feel weird. Yeah. Um, like I, I occasionally felt like I had um, like a like like a, a sinking feeling in my stomach, you know, um, or um, or 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 felt like like I just needed to move, you know, because I had something uh, that was that was bugging me. Yeah. 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 Uh, but a- a- as far as it being good, I, I don't think I would call it good. Like, um, like a- Antrim, the film within the film, I don't think is a particularly good movie. Um, but it is effective at scaring you. Right. Um, the documentary pieces, uh, that are the bookends, um, are effective as documentaries. Right. But I don't think that it vibes with everything else that's there. Um, 
but it does work in the sense that like now you got a movie you know uh, because <laughs> okay. they're, they're and it was a new idea like i really appreciate that that this isn't just a um you know i i mean not that this is happening uh much these days you know but it, it's not a friday the 13th part nine right you know um and nothing wrong with jason goes to hell but like fuck maybe it's time to to do something new and i say that about my favorite horror franchise here right? <laughs> right uh so it's it's new it's it's fresh and and i think for the most part it it works um i just i i don't think that it's um it's good but that doesn't stop it from being interesting and I think that that was one of the things that that really got me here is I was interested the whole time. Like, wh- where's it going to go next? Uh, because the way that it starts with, you know, the the dog being put down, the mother speaking to uh, to, to the boy about how the dog's not going to heaven, the dog's going to hell like that in itself to me was like really odd. Yeah. You know, like what parent tells their child that needs to be consoled, like, no, the dog's going to hell. You know, <laughs> uh, like that's uh, Don Bluth promised us that all dogs go to heaven. He did. You know, they even um, had the poster in the uh, in the veterinarian's office. <laughs> did they? I yes. Didn't, I didn't notice when that when they're putting the dog down, there is literally and like it's not the movie poster, but it's just like a, a framed picture that says all dogs go to heaven. <laughs> I used to watch that all the time as a kid. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Um, I you know so I I think it, it like it even like it, it starts in a weird way. Um, so like the the premise you like you have to accept it, and to me it's not an acceptable premise. Like it's not a realistic premise for a movie. But if you can say okay, well that is the premise and move on from that, then again the the rest of the movie his sister's plan to have him accept that they've saved the soul of the dog by going into a suicide forest yeah. and, and, and digging a portal to hell. Like to me, it's uh it's nonsense, but it's okay that it's nonsense because the purpose of this movie was never to make sense. There we the go. purpose of this movie was to scare you. And, and so like, I'm really conflicted here because I don't think that that makes a good movie. I, 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 or at least it doesn't make a good movie for me. I, sh- I, sh- I should say that. Um, but it did. It, it did freak me out. It did make me feel uneasy and and disturbed. And uh, like when when the kids stumble upon the guy that's uh, that's going to harikiri himself, you know, like oh that, yeah yeah, uh, d- that was like a whoa, what the fuck? Like I had forgotten that it was a suicide forest. Yeah. You know, because they were so secluded by themselves, you know, and then they see the, the the corpse that's rotting by their campsite later. You know, so like there's these little things that happen. Um, I don't know. Did I like it? I don't know. Uh, was it enjoyable? Sure. Um, did it freak me out? Yeah. Um, my son always asks if he can watch the Shiver movie with me. Right. And I initially told him no. Um I think he can handle this. Like it's it's a, it's a, it's a weird thing because like it is fucked up. Like I would definitely categorize this as fucked up. Uh, But like hostel is also fucked up and I, I wouldn't let him watch hostel, you know? Um, But I might consider this. It's, it's weird because it's, it's the kind of thing where I think everyone can watch this and be freaked out by it because they're using film language to mess with you. And, 
And 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 I I think that the story doesn't matter. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how good that story was. I you know you you mentioned earlier that this is this movie is is experimental filmmaking. Mm-hmm. This is this is a movie that was trying to last week watching X, which had a very defined story. We talked a lot mm-hmm. about the story between the story. This is a movie that solely exists between the 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 movie, right? right. The, this the 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 parts of this movie that are so odd and so bizarre all take place outside of this idea of finding. So for in, in case if you've seen the movie and missed it, or if you're just listening and you haven't watched the movie yet, Antrim is the spot where Lucifer falls to earth and falls through the earth into hell. Mm-hmm. That's what the Antrim is. It's the entrance to hell. And so that's why they're looking for this because they're going to save their dog's soul, not the actual dog, just its soul. They're very specific about that. And they, they, or, they're gonna she wants to have her brother believe that they've saved the dog's soul right exactly and Mm -hmm. um which is another spectacular moment in in storytelling in the middle there but so (laughs) when so they go to the suicide force they're they're digging this hole they're 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 doing all of this and they've got uh what is presented to us as a grimoire of Mm -hmm. of how to get to hell and it's got these protection prayers and and how you build a protection circle and they do all these weird things. They've got their they've got their pentagram circle, and they've got five different religious pieces from religions all around the world at the points, and they're doing all of these weird things that seem at when you're watching it, they seem like this very teenager type approach at what Satanism kind of is. But there's so much happening while all of this is going on mm-hmm. like you said when you start saying the pieces out loud it sounds insane they're they're, <laughs> they're going to a suicide yeah. forest to dig a hole to hell to save the soul of their dog uh and they're it's cheerful you know they're 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 weird about it where this movie starts to pay off is not necessarily in story of antrim the film in the film where this movie plays off is this idea that's presented to us as a whole, the story of this being a film that was specifically designed to screw with the human psyche. Mm-hmm. This is a film that, that people have added scenes into, and it's, it's become more than it ever was. The entire story of Antrim, uh, the, the deadliest film ever made, I think is really good. And I think that those yeah that that idea that um I'm sorry to interrupt but that no, idea that they don't know who made this right that you know the 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 belief is that it was the devil yes. who created this like what what great marketing you yes. know <laughs> like that the whole the I think that that's why those documentary pieces are so vital because if you just look at the film Antrim and you don't get the lead up to why the sound is weird sometimes and what are these etchings and, and what is happening, then yeah, you get a really nonsensical story that just berates you with these things. Mm-hmm. But when you get those documentary pieces and you look at the entirety of the 94 minutes of this, then you, you're watching this knowing that they're trying to screw with you. And then the story becomes 
is it going to screw with me? The story mm -hmm. doesn't become this brother sister in the suicide forest thing. The story becomes, can I finish Antrim? Am I going to survive if I watch Antrim? Is it going to screw with my head when I see it? That's the story that I'm fascinated by. I'm fascinated by the mythology that is Antrim that was built within this movie. And I'm viewing all of that as the story when I say that I think the story that was presented here was really, really good. And I do agree with you about the fact that this is going to be super super niche right like mm -hmm. i i just happen to be the target audience for this movie and right. i understand that <laughs> um and I, I i just pulled this i texted dave earlier and i was like i may come unhinged like watching this because i felt right <laughs> on the verge of a breakdown like all day going through all of this but i think that when we look at everything this idea that this film killed people that are the people who watch this film died when we look at the idea of of people have altered this film. Nobody even knows who made it, but things have mm -hmm. been added, scenes added, these etchings added. They say at the end that a lot of these sigils are scratched onto plastic that was then perfectly attached over frames of the movie. So you know that that wasn't part of the original, but they line up so, so beautifully uh, with, with things that are happening. But then at the end, they go, yeah, let us tell you about some of this stuff to further the idea that this, this film in the movie is, is, is become a, a sentient, living, breathing thing. It's, right. it's so weird. It's so weird. And, and I loved it so much uh, as, we, as we get into talking about more stuff. I think they did great things with, with some weird camera tricks that were – that were on one hand really subtle, but on the other hand, so over the top because you could tell they were used, they were made using like old school film techniques. There are parts in this movie that look like they're straight out of like trip to the moon, you know? Um, yeah. And, and so you, you're like, okay, yeah, no, like this is, this is low budget. Somebody who barely knew what they were doing made this and just, the mythology, the the idea of Antrim as a whole, I think is a fascinating story. You you know what I I think about this movie is, uh, and and this occurred to me while you were talking. I can't remember what it was that you said that that reminded me of this, but um, back in the early days of uh, Reddit, I got really into uh, creepy pastas. Yeah. Uh, or creepy pasta, as it's supposed to be yes. uh, pronounced. Um, and to me, this is like an extension of those creepy pastas because exactly what it is. Uh, because it's it's like you know, hey, here's here's a creepy story. All all it is is just we want to freak you out. And then someone takes that story and they turn it into something else and it keeps evolving until you get the most fucked up version of that story eventually. Yes. And I think that's kind of what this is. I, I remember specifically, I don't know if you ever saw uh, the supposed cursed Mickey Mouse cartoon. I've seen the cursed Suicide Mickey Mouse. Mouse. Yes. Suicide yeah. Mouse. I've seen um, that one. It, it ranks up there as weird. one of the best ones. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's just, it's weird. Yes. You know, and, and and that's kind of the feeling I had watching this is it's like it's just fucking weird. And in the in the best way possible, it's weird. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I remember I remember Curtis Mickey Mouse, and I think it was called Ben Drowned about this kid. Ben who, Drowned, yeah, ben with Drowned, the Legend of the Zelda. Who, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like two of the best ever. Like Ben Drowned, like even with the, the like got to the point where people were, were hacking cartridges of Ocarina of Time to make these things play out oddly. Like, yeah, you're yeah. you're absolutely right. This this is a creepypasta. Yeah, absolutely. So um the next section I I love I love what you titled this <laughs> on a mission to hell right yeah um, so the the cast consisted pretty much of two people you know we had a, we had a mother we had two cannibals uh, and and we had a uh, a random uh, Japanese man who was going to uh, to commit suicide but yes. really I mean that that's the core of this movie like eighty percent of this movie is just them right. Um, so uh, we have the brother, we have the sister. Um, I guess, as you've written here, I mean, you, you're right. It's a wholesome question mark adventure, <laughs> you know, because her purpose really is a wholesome one. Right. Right. Uh, they're going to rescue the the dog's soul from the bowels of hell. You know, and I, I didn't even really understand what it was that they were doing until she placed the. The collar. Yeah. Right. Then I was like, oh, I get it. Now I know what you're doing. Uh, there's a lot of weight on just two child actors here. Do Do you think that they pull it off? I really think that they do. And I think that this comes down to a dynamic that I feel like we just keep coming back to because it's so easy to do wrong as somebody who has siblings. And that is this idea of how a brother and sister interact. When we when we look at how Nathan and Orly are 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 engaging with each other in this film, it very much does feel like a big sister and a little brother and that she's trying to do what's best for him. And he needs closure. He's having these nightmares ever since the dog gets put down because the mom tells him his dog's not going to heaven. I just like, as soon as that happened, I was like, all right, I, I just, I don't, I don't know what's, I, I have no idea what to expect. Anymore, right? <laughs> um, and so you get this, you get this boy who believes everything his sister says. And, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit and we're going to get into it more um, as we get into some of the thematic parts of this movie, but about halfway through when, shit is really hitting the fan and has gone awry. You find out that this grimoire that the sister has was fake and she made the whole thing up, but we're seeing things that, that, that still, that don't make sense if they're not actually digging their way to hell. But when, when you get this idea of a little brother who can so easily and blindly follow what his big sister says, he obviously idolizes her and, and what she says, that's, that's law. What she says goes, write it in stone, that's the way it happens. To the point that, yes, yeah, she created a tome of how to get to hell and how to survive visiting hell. And he's just like, oh, you got it from Ike? Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, good. Yeah, I believe you. And, 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 and they're going with this. But I think that she did a great job of, in the beginning, she was very wholesome about everything. Before we knew that it was fake, uh, she she was very much out to protect her brother at all costs. And everything that she did in creating this story, we eventually find out, as well as while they were there, is to keep him is to keep him safe. Mm -hmm. And when shit goes sideways, 
and she can't keep him safe anymore, then we get that genuine panicked freak out of this is my fault. I cannot protect him. And that's the, that's the one thing I was supposed to do out here was protect him. And she makes that turn so well. She, that when that switch flips Mm -hmm. and she goes from lighthearted older sister, let's have some fun to know everything's wrong. This isn't how this was supposed to go. We need to survive. She dominates that. It's incredible. There are some great little moments uh, where earlier when she's still being a wholesome and, and she wants him to brush his teeth and he wants her to wash his feet. That uh, she wa- He wants her to wash her feet. That's the type of shit that brothers and sisters argue about, especially if you're sharing a tent or a room. Yeah. Those are the exact things that you're going to argue about. You're going to find something that stinks about the other one, right? You're going to call <laughs> them out on it. Yeah. Those things were so good. And she, I think, did a much better job of portraying terror than he did because he always seemed oddly at home with everything. Yeah. Even and and so it's not to say she did a better job with portraying terror as much as it is to say he understood the assignment of this kid believes all this and he gets it. And so he doesn't Mm -hmm. see anything to be afraid of because he built his protection circle. He said his protection prayer. What should he be scared of? He doesn't view any of this as scary necessarily um, until things are getting really, really weird. And I think Uh, that they- Until she tells him that it's scary. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, when she tells him, yeah, that you should be scared now. But then even then, like this kid gets tossed in an oven shaped like Baphomet. (laughs) And like, by the time he gets out and gets away, then he's just like, all right, I'm okay now. (laughs) He's just covered in soot and, and and smoke. And he's like, but it's because when he finds that dog and he takes that dog out of the trap, I conceptualize that as him seeing his dog in this, uh, it was a Malamute or something. But seeing yeah. his dog in that dog, and when he took that dog's leg out of the trap, he just released his dog's soul. Mm-hmm. To him, to Nathan, the dog in the trap was his dog's soul. And when he took that trap off, mission accomplished. You know, let's head home. There's nothing left to be scared of. Whereas Orly is still losing her mind because she can't find her brother. There's cannibals after her. Uh, <laughs> and, and she's hearing all these freaked, freaking noises. And, and nothing is making sense to her. I think that they both portrayed exactly how I think a child that age would act in this situation. And, and that's all I could really ask of them. Uh, man, I have to agree. You know, I, I think for the, the couple of shortcomings that this movie has, this is not one of them. I, I do think that um, the technical side of this is um, – is quite good. Yeah. Um, the acting is good. Um, the, the direction I think is good in that it is intentionally bad. Right. Um, you know, because I, I, I don't think that, like I said, they ever intended to make a good movie. They just intended to make a scary movie and, um, mission accomplished, yep. you know, um, both 
uh, Nathan and Orly do a fantastic job at selling it. And I think that you needed to have that happen. There needed to be some sort of like authenticity to their reactions because otherwise I'm sucked out of the moment. Right. And I'm no longer scared for them or for myself because all I'm doing is focusing on the bad acting. So I don't know that the acting is stellar, but the acting is good enough right. to, to not have me notice it. And I think that that's a weird balance, a balancing act to, uh, to kind of keep in, in your mind as, as both an actor and a director is, you know, how do I not make this performance stand out? Because what I want to do is keep you in the moment. Right. I don't want you to notice how good my acting is because I do think that um, the actress that played Orly. Um, uh, Nicole Tompkins. Nicole Tompkins. Thank you. Um, I think that there's a really great actress in her. Yeah. Because um, there were a couple moments where I actually noticed the acting, um, particularly at the end. Uh, like when the credits roll and then she's back. Yes. That, so weird. So weird. It, it was, it was weird. And uh, like, to me, it didn't seem like a, like an MCU post credits. Yeah. You know, it was like a, Oh, by the way, uh, we just There's... edited the credits to be before this. Scene. Right. Exactly. Weird. Um, so, or, or maybe it was like cut from the movie and then added back in by someone who knows. Uh, and, and that's one of the things I, I, I really do like about this movie is that like, you know, who knows and who the fuck cares either, you right. know, um, I, it, to me, they, they really do a great job that, and, and the cannibals as well do a really great job of being believable cannibals. And I think that that's all they need to be is believable. Yeah. And um, I, I have nothing bad to say about this like i i also i it's just it was right for for what it was especially because if the if the idea of this movie is that this movie is an experience then the acting needs to be like you said just good enough that you're interested but not so good that you that you stop experiencing the weird noise, the the sigils that are etched into the film, the things like that. You never stop because the acting isn't the, the acting and the special effects aren't just so amazing that that you just get engrossed in it all. You're able to keep remembering that this film is an experience, and that's what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and that moves us into what I think is maybe the most interesting aspect of this movie, which is um, it's meta qualities, right? Um, so we, what the movie is, you know, from the outside is a documentary about a movie, right? right? And, and the movie within the movie is the frontispiece. Yes. Uh, so, it kind of has this really heady, lofty idea going on here. Meta is never easy to do, right? Um, and uh, it's 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 definitely never easy to do right. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 th- I think lots lots of uh, lots of different people have tried the meta thing, and it doesn't always work. Um, so. Uh, the nature of belief and the power of belief systems have on us 
is is very much present here, right? Um, did this hit the way that the filmmakers intended it to hit? Did it have that power behind it? Or was it just another exercise in filmmaking? So we're presented early on with this idea of seeing filmmakers say, can a movie kill you? Can can a movie have that power over you? And we get some of these filmmakers talking about, well, they built theaters next to hospitals because people can watch movies and they feel better. So could it do the opposite? Could a movie kill you? Uh, and and so you start off with that 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 idea of building this belief that that maybe a movie could kill you. Mm-hmm. And so you you're immediately presented with this idea of things have the power that you give them. And that's, I think the, one of the biggest things that, that runs through this movie is this idea that something, it has the power that you allow it to have. And this is, I mean, this is an, you know, an as above and an as below, so above type thing where you, you create, you create your own reality, right? Like you said, it gets, it gets real heady when you start talking about this, when you start talking about this concept, so then you get into the movie and you've 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 got them digging this hole to hell and things are obviously getting super weird. Thing there's there's one scene where they're up on a hill talking and in the background there's this really light outline of this face of Azagoth, right? And mm-hmm. uh, Astaroth, Astor, excuse me. Uh, Astaroth back there. And and so you you you've got this idea that that these things are really happening, but then you find out that the sister made it all up. But these things are definitely happening, and they're happening exactly like she said that they would happen. She's hap- they're happening in the way in this book that she created. And so then, do we have the ability to? believe something so strongly that it becomes reality. Is it this child's belief in, uh, is her, her little brother's belief in, in what she's saying that is making these things happen? Or is it the fact that she believes she made it up, but it's because it was reality. That all gets so weird. There's a moment in this where she says, I made it all up. And it happens at almost the dead center point of the movie. Like I, I went back and I checked this today and at almost exactly the middle point of the movie, we get this, the sound gets completely stripped out. And all we have is a close up of the sister. As she says the words, I made it up. I made it all up. And within the, within the movie that is telling us, that's telling us, I, I, I made this up. This isn't happening. I don't know what's happening, but it's not what I'm saying. But that's also the filmmakers coming at us and saying, guys, we, we made this up. Like, this is, mm-hmm. this is fake. Which is amazing because I went and I found, um, I found some people who wrote about when this was premiered at a film festival. And the, the creators did a Q&A afterwards. And they did the entire Q&A without breaking character. They did the whole thing presented like this is a real documentary about a real film that we found and we're making. And at one point, like uh, somebody from the media stood up in the audience and screamed at the top of their lungs, stop bullshitting your audience. And they mm-hmm. took it all in stride and they never broke character, which is fascinating when you're presented with this midpoint in the movie where they go out of their way. Like I said, they even strip away the sound. So you're forced to 
look at this movie as being fake. It gets into these really weird moments that work on a lot of levels. You said meta is hard to do and you're not wrong. And I think that this movie does meta very, very well to the extreme of this movie is, and this is, I, I don't use like pretentious film making words much, mm-hmm. but this movie is, is it's a, it's a deconstructivist horror experience. This movie is breaking down a a, a horror movie into just can we scare you and what elements are we going to put together to make that happen outside of telling some amazing story. Um, There are some some really uh, some really great things in here uh, like. It, when we're talking about the the meta aspect of this and the stuff that's added afterwards, and we're going to try something new here. So if you're watching live, um, check this out. So what you may have noticed throughout the movie is there are scene, there are parts where for just a couple frames, there are some words that appear on the screen. Mm-hmm. I scrubbed this movie today. And I, what, well, uh, let me take it back. I didn't have to, because it's the very first time I noticed it. I was like, I don't have time to look that up. It was obviously Latin. And I wrote down mm-hmm. all the timestamps. So I went through today and I found screenshot or I made some screenshots of these parts in the movie with this Latin. And when you want to look at how meta this really gets, when you start to look at these. So if you're watching us live or if you watch us on YouTube, enjoy. I'm going to try to pull these up because my Latin is terrible. So the very first time (laughs) that you see this, it looks like this. And it's the two of them walking. They still haven't. Um, they still haven't gotten there. And it says something to the extent of abyssus abyssum evocate, which is, from what I could tell from looking at translations today, it essentially means um, hell calls to hell or hell becomes hell. Which is, it, if you if you look for it, you're going to find it. There, there there's mm-hmm. a hell there. What that hell is, that's up to you. But you're going to find it. And so they go looking for hell, even though it's on a joke or it's not a joke, even though it's it's a it's a mission of closure. But even theoretically going to look for hell presents you with an opportunity to find hell, which Mm -hmm. shows us why things are going weird, which is why I guess they went to a suicide forest. Right. (laughs) So the the next one here is a shot of the woods um, and it's a facilis de senis averno. Which uh, this one was really easy to translate. Thank you, Google. Mm -hmm. This one means the descent to hell is easy. And that's one that uh, you look at that and you find translations of that everywhere. That's one that's used by preachers um, to to talk about, you know, talk about the primrose path and how easy it is to go down that. But also just how, again, it goes with that first one, how easy it is to find hell if you're looking for it. Uh, and and there's a couple more that I'll get into uh, when we get to the when we get to the next part. But this movie created such a weird universe, and it created such it, it, the, the the themes that were presented to us here. And it's funny because I felt like this one was was a lot weirder, but I felt like I picked this one up easier than X. When you and Adam were explaining shit to me about X last week, I was like, oh, damn, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this one, this one, I was like, oh, yeah, I fucking get it. I get it, right? This this got into that really weird um, meta space, including the, uh, when there's, there's almost like these chapters 
in the movie mm-hmm. where yeah. and they, they've all got names nefestus which literally basically translates to the opposite of holy the next layer is uh maleficus which is just wicked the third one is demonium which i couldn't find an actual translation for so i'm assuming based on the demonic fact that, that, yeah uh, you know actually I, that was my first thought was that it would be demonic but when i went back and i looked this happens right before they meet the cannibals. So I wonder if this is actually um, ripped from pandemonium um, because this is this, th- this chapter of the book starts right before shit gets crazy. Mm-hmm. So is it, is it demonic because we're meeting these cannibals who, by the way, they're not completely out of place. They're demons. And I the assumed. Re- yeah. Yes. But the reason that you don't have to assume when they're flipping through the book at one point and it shows demons in the book putting on flesh suits. Yeah. The flesh suits they put on are those two guys. Yeah, that's in the right. Woods. They're the exact people uh-huh. that are in the woods. Good catch. Um, thank you. And so so right before shit gets crazy, we get this chapter called uh, uh, D- uh, Demonium, which, like I said, maybe it's pandemonium, maybe it's demonic. Uh, but then you get um, Incarcius Metis, which is fear the flesh. And that's mm-hmm. once they've met people who are trying to kill them and possibly eat them. We know they at least want to cook them. And then the last one is Abyssus, which is just hell or the pit mm-hmm. or however you want to translate that. Emptiness. But yeah, each one of those things kind of fell in line with what was happening in the movie. It, but they weren't like, it wasn't presented like she just got to that chapter in the book. It was presented with like this weird demon hand yeah. flipping pages, right? So again, we're so meta that the movie in the movie is being presented to you as a movie, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. What, like, what I found really interesting about that was that there was no hand moving it at first. Right. It was, it was almost like, um, I don't know if you remember the, uh, the, the framing piece for a lot of those early Disney animated movies. It was, yeah. uh, you know, the, the storybook and it was like, you know, stop motion animation as the page just kind of flopped over and it was kind of like that until the demon hand comes out, which I assume is Ike. Maybe. Yeah. Right. Right. Ike or um, or Astaroth, which um, I, yeah, you know, you I know, assumed like, Astaroth was Ike. Correct. Yeah. yeah because we because you know, she says she made it all up. She made Ike up. But then Nathan says, but I met Ike. And we get this really cool flashback of him meeting some weird shadowy figure with a claw for a hand behind a dumpster. Yeah, um, and we get this really cool silhouette, but then of of a of a, I assume a gross face. It was a gross outline, but yeah. um, again, for the people watching live, here you go. When we see his face, they perfectly put this right overneath, right on top of his face, mm-hmm. like where a face would be in this silhouette. And the movie very graciously told us at the end that that's the sigil of Astaroth. So mm-hmm. it also then proceeded to then put that sigil on Nathan's face, which I assumed indicated that he had then been marked by Astaroth. Hmm. Interesting. What I liked most about the meta quality of this movie is that all the little tricks of the trade or not all of them, but a lot of the tricks that they used, they end up commenting on. Uh, So I, I don't know that this movie ends up being as effective as it is without the the framing of the documentary right why i say it doesn't it doesn't necessarily work but it does it works enough you know uh so the setup of 
this movie has killed. Uh, or you yes. can decide whether the movie is killed. Here's a couple of cases of people that have died immediately after watching the movie. Right. That kind of puts you in the frame of mind where it's like, okay, I'm expecting this to be weird. I'm expecting it to be um, evil, you know? Uh, yes. So then you're looking for the stuff that's in there, like them looking for hell, you know, the portal to hell. And and then at the end, after all of their little tricks have definitely fucked with you, because they have, you know, anyone who watches this movie and says, oh, yeah, it didn't do anything to me. Yeah. Shut the fuck Shut up, up, man. Shut up. You know, uh, they tell you how they did this shit. Yeah. That's super cool to me. You know, um, I, I I love that sort of stuff, you know, because I love watching. And I, it, it's pretty clear if you've ever seen any episode of of our show or heard any episode of our show I, i'm always talking about the behind the scenes stuff i'm always talking about the the extras that are included on blu-rays i love that shit because it's a it's a peek into the creator's minds and they did this inside of the movie right so that's that's incredibly cool i think it's incredibly effective at reminding the audience what this is because if you just happen to stumble upon this i saw this on tubi right right if i would have just happened to stumble upon this and say wow this looks kind of cool right there's a a, a baphomet oven with a giant cock on it yeah Let's watch yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing, if, if you're watching right? us live i mean look at this thing it's right. it's right it's it's, it's, it's right, right it's right there it's it, you can't <laughs> miss it um so we're both kind of talking <laughs> the, the baphomet cock boink boink um so <laughs> um like it's you don't know what this is and they lay it all out there for you you know because if you if if you watch halloween you know what the movie is 5 minutes in right if 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 you watch psycho you know what it is 5 minutes in and you don't necessarily know that if you only watch antrim not antrim the deadliest film ever made. Right. So, so like, I, it, it kind of has to be meta for it to work. And because it's, I think, an exercise in experimenting with horror, it works, man. I mean, it, it, it works as a, as a, as a practice in that. Yeah. They, they, they did a lot of weird. There's one really cool thing here that I don't know. It, it's it's storyline. It, it's kind of meta. There's a little bit of everything, but there's so this movie a Antrim ends with uh, Nathan is walking through the forest. He's happy go lucky. As far as he's concerned, he's out of hell. He saved his dog's soul. <laughs> he's good to go. All the while, his sister has just shot two cannibals, demons. Um, <laughs> And is now hiding out in the tent, has no idea where her brother is. And she just hears a chain being dragged, which they'd heard before and it had freaked mm -hmm. them out. So she's sitting in the tent with a gun and pointing it at the entrance to the tent. And she's hysterical. Mm -hmm. There, There is no coming back from this. She doesn't know where Nathan is. And then, and we know Nathan is getting right outside the tent. She's right inside with this gun pointed at it. And we get this extreme close up of the barrel of this gun. And then it ends. So you're left with this idea of did she shoot Nathan and they didn't show it? Or did she not shoot Nathan? And that was plaguing me. That was driving me insane. 
So I went back through this movie as soon as I finished it. And I was like, well, that's obviously a revolver. So let's it a revolver. It's a it's a six shooter. So I mm-hmm. went back through and I counted. And she fires the gun five times in the movie. So so your initial thought is, oh my God. So there's a bullet left. And she she probably did shoot Nathan. But then you stop and you think about it and you go, but they found that gun in a suicide forest. So a gun in a suicide forest would have been used to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. And now there's a six bullet in play. And so if if nothing else, it made it harder for me to decide. I had not I had not considered that because I I know that there's this, you know, is it Nathan or is it not Nathan? In my mind, it can only be him. Correct. Because eventually he's going to wander back to the camp. Yes. He's, a, he's a little boy. He has no way of getting home. He's going to go to worse familiar. Um, and so I assumed that she shot him, which, which right. to me was like the, the, the cherry on top of a shit Sunday. You know, it's <laughs> like, you know, you, you had this idea, you know, uh, who the fuck has this idea? Yeah. You know, you you had this idea and and now you have paid the price because you went looking for hell and now you're in your own personal hell. Yeah. And so, like I said, I was I I, 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 I man, I thought I was on to something when I was going to count these bullets and then only counted five. But like I said, we, we don't know if that gun was just dropped there or if, if, if somebody did commit suicide with it. So we still don't know if there's a six bullet in there, mm-hmm. but they did very expertly make sure we know that there's a possibility that there is a bullet left in that gun, yeah. which fits the, this idea of the movie being as realistic as possible, right? Yeah. That, that there, there were five shots fired. We can tell that it's a six shooter stuff like that. Like those little things are, are what are, what, are, what is, what has made this movie stay with me as much as it has. And so and I, 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 this is, I entitled this next section. Oh no, Daniel's going to talk occult, isn't he? <laughs> and so I'm going to intro this one. So you get a chance to talk about anything first um, before I take you guys uh, into the depths that is stream of consciousness as it exists for me. So <laughs> Antrim is full of hidden pieces. It's full of surprises. The epilogue wraps up a lot of these things that we find in the movie. But do you feel that this, that this, added to the movie or did it distract you from when you were trying to watch it? I mean, was there, was there anything else that you noticed that they didn't talk about in the epilogue? No, I, I, I think that the, the movie kind of needed that uh, because they, they set it up very early. You know, uh, this movie is rumored to have been created and submitted to all these festivals by the devil as a way to, you know, further his, uh, his his reign on earth or whatever the the purpose is i don't know how devils think right right um so uh, it, with that comes the territory of occult language and um you know runic language and uh and sigils and all this stuff that uh that that, that we discussed during um during hereditary right because uh, it's the way that we understand in pop culture that um, the uh, the devil exists and that people are concerning themselves with the devil and the demonic. 
So uh, it, to me, it, 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 as soon as I saw scratching on on the film negative, and I'm like, oh, there's words there. I didn't stop either. I was like, I I, I just want to watch this movie once through before I stop and I you know start looking this shit up. And then I was about to start looking it up, and I was like. Daniel's going to do it and he's going to do it so much better than I am. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, fuck. Okay. So there's, there is a lot of occult stuff here. The beauty of it is none of it needs to work. Correct. And the, um, uh, real sense, quote unquote, real sense. I use real hard air quotes there, (laughs) Um, but none of it needs to work in the real sense because all it needs to do is to give you the impression that, um, someone who's really interested in the occult had their hands on this film. Yes. Or many people who had an interest in the occult had their hands on this movie. Um, one of the things that I think is most interesting here is the is like the snuff aspect to this movie. Yes. Because the the shit that's spliced into here is really interesting because there's a story to that too and i would i I would like i would like to see that played out by itself now there's seconds of that film there there's not really that much but you know that's a whole other aspect of the occult you know where we are going to torture you and we're going to kill you for the benefit of what we believe in right and uh you know so so that sort of you know human sacrifice that is quote unquote real human sacrifice in this (laughs) real movie, which was made as a film, you know, so it's fictional. There's all this, um, you know, meta stuff that's going on in here where you, you have to think, you know, at one point as the viewer, you're thinking, is there really something to this? Right. And that's that's I think one one of the coolest things about this movie is you know ultimately I, I am one of the most agnostic people you'll ever find. Um, I don't believe in much. Uh, so when something makes me question, like, oh, but did something go into this? Right. Is, is there something here? Like to, to me, that's that's incredible, you know. And and that happened here where where I I had to stop and remind myself. You don't believe in anything. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> I had to remind myself. Yeah, I had to remind myself. You don't believe in anything. I had to remind myself. Uh, you know, uh, you you barely believe in yourself. <laughs> You're probably sucked into some sort of matrix, right? So, um, and uh, it, it, I uh, I used to have uh, loot fright. You know, like loot crates. Yeah, horror, yeah. Uh, thing, and I think I technically do, but they haven't done anything in a while. Um, they once had a um an occult box that they sent out and there was this really cool sabrina the teenage witch mug there was some other stuff and one of the things that came with it was um a um a little statue of baphomet right and i initially didn't really think much of it you know i kind of just like i opened the box I threw the statue on my desk. I usually have some sort of horror something on my desk. Like uh, currently it's, um, you know, this, this Dawn of the Dead bust. Nice. I, I swap shit out, you know, that way I've got, you know, something going on in front of me that, uh, that, that reminds me, you know, um, as, uh, as they say in Conan the, the Barbarian, what is best in life? What is right? Um, 
So <laughs> I ended up like having this conversation with my wife where she was like, you going to keep that statue of Baphomet in here? And I was like, yeah, why? What's what's the deal? Like, it, it's not real, you know, and she was like, yeah, but why play with fire if you know that it's hot? I'm like, but is it hot? And she's like, do you want to find out? I was like, you know what? You're right. And so I took I took the statue of Baphomet and I tossed it. Um, <laughs> and, and 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 that that's the kind of thing that happens in this movie where it's like, you know, it's a movie. But. Right. And that question, you know, the but that to me, that's that's one of the coolest things about this. And I'm going to stop there because I know you've got so much to say about this. So the occult in this is presented a lot. You're I'm going to segue perfectly from what you're talking about, because it's about the power of belief Mm -hmm. and everything having the power that we put into it. Uh, There's there there's there's overt symbolism all throughout this. Uh, you know, the, the, not the least of which being the, 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 the giant bedict Baphomet, um, that, that, that we were talking <laughs> Thank about. Thank you for using bedict. Hey, I tried. Um, <laughs> and so there's, there's a lot here and much like hereditary, it was presented in a way that you could tell that the research was done, that this was presented accurately. Um, uh, ast- uh, start with Astrogoth or, or Astaroth, excuse me. I keep wanting to put a G in there. Astaroth is. I always act- want to say Azeroth, like uh, 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 like, like Raven, yeah, like Raven, So, Astaroth is is actually a demon presented, uh, uh, written about in the Lesser Key of Solomon by mm-hmm. Alistair Crowley. Was Alistair Crowley a dickhead? Absolutely. <laughs> is his is his writing you know canonical to a lot of people? Yeah, sure. Um, but but what's great about the fact that they went with uh, with Astaroth is that Astaroth is presented as being extremely wise. He's he's considered a duke of demons. Like he's a he's a high level like Beelzebub Lucifer level demon, uh ruling 40 legions of spirits. Uh according to the Lesser Key of Solomon, uh he gives he's another one much like Payman in Hereditary where when you ask him questions He's going to give you truthful answers, past, present, or future. He he is bound to give you truthful answers. So the idea of it being the the sigil of Astaroth that's presented with uh, throughout this movie is interesting because we're all what we're presented with is a lie that becomes the truth, or truth that was presented as a lie but either way what we're given is truth it's presented as truth Mm -hmm. constantly through the documentary angle through the idea that even though the sister says she made this up these things happen so very very tactful to go with astaroth in that one uh also just just to read to you from the lesser keys of solomon and I, i i just want you to hear the description that's given because he sounds incredible. So the form of Astaroth is, and I quote, the form of a hurtful angel riding on an infernal beast like a dragon and carrying in his right hand a viper. It's metal as fuck. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that, that's, <laughs> that, that hasn't been the cover of a metal album yeah. is 
a, a, a fucking travesty. And if it has, someone needs to tell me what album this is so I can listen to it. Yeah. So, so very great idea to go with that. And what's even, and so as you get more into this, I do, I do have the rest of that Latin. So here, um, the third time, um, we get the one that looks like this. Um, and it was backwards on the film. That is a screenshot from the movie. Um, and I'm not even going to try to read it between the fact that it's backwards you, and it's in you Latin. You want me to try? Yeah, go for it. Cave. Uh, so, no, it's Latin. So, cave ab homine um, muis? No. Unius. Unius. Okay. So, cave ab homine uminus libri libri yeah i do know so that's book that's book you, you united book one book um, um it, yeah man, one book. man's man's one book something so man's close. one book yeah. you're 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 all over it that translates to fear the man who knows only one book oh okay all right. um yeah so i mean you were there like you were breaking it down uh so you get this idea of should you be afraid of nathan because everything he knows is from uh, this one book ooh, that nice. his sister created, whether she created, by the way, some of her, you're talking about metal as fuck. Some of her pictures in that book. Oh man. Yeah. Like the, like the flip book of the demon crawling out of the hole. Some of the weird stuff that's on the welcome to hell page, man. If she did all that, that, <laughs> that, that picture of Cerberus, she did. I can forget about it. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, but so is, is Nathan to be feared because everything he knows is from this one book or should we fear for Nathan because he only knows what's in this one book and doesn't know what he's actually gotten himself into. Hmm. So again, something that you can dig into with that. And then the best one and what happens to be the fourth one is right here, which is uh, Nihil uh, Prestissimus. Veritate, right? Veritate? I, I don't do Latin. Um, which roughly translates to the most precious truth, mm -hmm. which then from researching that, I found um, that's actually part of a longer quote, which is the truth is hidden, but nothing is more precious than the most truth. Mm -hmm. And so... Again, this idea of uh, is is all of this truth. I I don't I, I feel like I've mentioned this before. I, I I'm a large I'm a firm believer in the collective unconscious. And so this idea that she created this book, but that it ends up happening. So did she at some point, either through through her brother's connection with Astaroth? or just in her fervor to find closure for her brother, did she tap in to some piece of the collective, the collective unconscious that revealed to her the most precious truth, which is the things that she put down into this book. Mm -hmm. And so did she uh, almost uh, uh, um, uh, autonomously write this? Like in, in is it Insidious? Where where they they talk about auto writing, and uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did was it was it that type of thing? Did she kind of tap in, and these things just happened? And then she's thinking she's a genius because she created all of this. But what she actually did was find the most precious hidden truth, 
which is this idea that, that there, you can venture to hell and it's not hard to get there and you can make it when you try to go. All of these things keep adding up to such a bizarre take on the, uh, on, on occult imagery, including mythological image imagery between Cerberus and what was obviously Karen. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like that's yeah, obviously Karen the ferryman because that was a, a dead body. And then as they, as they go across the river, whatever's in that water is humanesque, mm -hmm. much like the river sticks. So you, so you start to blend in mythology, which, you know, I, I, I think a lot of times people tend to forget that if, if you keep tracing the roots of, of all these different religions and stuff, what you're looking at is tributaries off a much wider river, which is the need for understanding, uh, the, the need for acceptance, the need to, for there to be something bigger than yourself. So you have a reason to exist. What this sister, the reason that what was bigger than herself for um for for Orlia, what, what what was bigger than her was the need for her brother to be able to sleep at night, to live uh to live a normal life. She was questing after these things, much in the way that that all of these people who have created religions were were uh, the the main ones were were questing after just something bigger than them. You go back far enough, and it's like, well, they needed a reason to say why the sun rose. They were they were mm -hmm. it's that thirst for knowledge. She had something bigger than herself that she quested for, and was that enough? Was that enough for her to tap in to this idea of the most precious truth? And that's. That's the part of this movie that that I'm that I that I'm not over yet. I'm not over this idea that she thinks she made it up, but that it happens that way. I, I'm not over the fact that these pictures from her book perfectly show up in this suicide forest. I I, I I'm not over the fact that it, I, I found I found all sorts of other sigils. By the way, they tell you in the movie that that the sigil of Astaroth is located within the movie 170 something times. They tell you that at the very end. But there are other there are other sigils peppered throughout this movie. If you if you frame by frame scrub the beginning, which for all intents and purposes is just the beginning of a film role going. Mm -hmm. If you scrub that frame by frame. Those are very intentionally drawn pictures. That is not just film rolling. Mm -hmm. And what I kept finding, I got that impression. What I kept finding was there may these may be sigils. Um, I, I obviously I don't own or have read every grimoire out there, right? I I, I own the I own a Lusky of Solomon. Um, this is uh, this is the Black Arts by Richard Cavendish. If you watched our Hereditary episode, you know that I read I read that one a lot. This is this is. This is canon. This is biblical to me. I love this book. <laughs> but um, you, what I kept finding was a lot of these things were almost seemed to be like combination sigils, which, again, lends credence to this idea of somebody after the fact finding the movie and adding stuff into it, uh, adding maybe something that they've created uh, to 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 summon or something like that. Uh, to evoke, invoke the these these other sigils being added um, and not being anything specific again gives it this weird raw idea that this is a film that's out there in the wild and is um, 
you ever, maybe we've used it on the show before, but do you know what goblin porn is? Uh, no. Okay. When I was a kid, there was, um, there was, there were these woods and out in these woods, there was like a tree with a hole in it. And inside that tree, there was a gallon size Ziploc bag that had a bunch of porno mags in it. And <laughs> like, you know, you, you passed on that knowledge to younger kids. Oh, oh, yeah. you, oh, like you never seen boobies go out to the tree. Right. This, and, and we, we called it goblin. <laughs> go out to the tree. <laughs> yeah. Go out to the tree. There's boobies there. Um, this movie takes on that sort of life, which is everybody who finds it adds their own to it. And some of it may just be, you know, some filmmaker who added something scratched in because they thought it was creepy. And some of it may be somebody else who found it and kind of figured out what they were doing and found a way to add their own touch with something that meant something to them. Again, the power of belief. Even if that sigil is not in a book that I have, like the sigil of, uh, of Astaroth is, that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean something to someone. And it, depending on how you read into chaos magic, uh, you, you can create your own sigils. And, and it's, it's encouraged to create your own sigils because then you have a, a personal tie to that sigil and your ability to manifest what that sigil means to you is, is increased. So the idea that other people are saying, oh, okay, well, whoever made this movie put these symbols of Astaroth in there and that's cool, but this is my sigil and this is what it means. And I have this movie now. So now I am a piece of this movie's history. That's really cool to me. Um, just a couple other uh, really uh, minor things uh, that I noticed at the very beginning when the boy is dreaming and he's laying, it, it shows, you know, he's dreaming, but it's showing that he's laying. His hand is perfectly in that little pose right there oh, with his hand on his chest, just like, just like that. the Baphomet. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, they show that scene twice and his hand is always exactly <laughs> like the way Baphomet um, is shown like that. Uh, there's the, the triangle at the end. Um, I kind of, I put that in, uh, with, uh, what's known as the circle of Solomon. Again, one that I referenced, um, in hereditary, uh, because that is an invocation, uh, type symbol. And I love that the way they burn it into the screen mm -hmm. for the end. Uh, I, I just, man, that this movie's all I've been able to think about. I, I just, I, I've, I kept I kept digging. I, I actually, I, 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 I found this on Amazon and I guess I am, I guess freebie is part of Amazon now or uh -huh. something. And mm -hmm. it was like, all right, watch it on freebie with ads. And I was like, okay, it's three bucks to watch it without ads. Take my $3. <laughs> what I am going to do now is now go buy another $5 because I go spend another $5 so that I own this so that I can watch it more than just for 48 hours. Yeah. Because it's, it's burned into the, the, the back of my skull, like that triangle is burned into the film at the end there. And, and I know that there's going to be more there to find. There's a moment, what I think is honestly the creepiest moment in the whole film as they're digging the hole, he draws uh, a cross yeah. in the dirt in the hole. Oh, and, it, and it's a very moment. intentionally drawn cross. It's not just mm -hmm. these two lines cuts away to his sister, goes back to him, cross is inverted. Mm -hmm. It's upside down and not That's and, when he finds know, the gun right after he finds the gun cross is now upside down goes back it's back right way up once he's passed it to his sister and, and and it's and it's perfect the way it's turned it's not just like it was scribbled and maybe we caught it from another angle no that that thing is now 
is now upside down. So again, now we're now we're messing with 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 Christian, um, uh, uh, not ideology, but you know, like uh, the, the pictures. <laughs> uh, iconography iconography that's the yeah. word i was going for yes um now we're messing with christian iconography we they they take the time to use um uh a a menorah uh, a crescent moon yeah. um a buddha a i a hindu I goddess jesus. yeah there was a jesus and yeah. then there was like a hindu goddess um i'm not sure which one um, but the one that's like always shown as being Shiva, maybe the one that's blue and has like a lot of arms. That's Shiva. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was Shiva, but they, they put all of those things at the five points because this isn't about making commentary on one specific religion. This is just getting to whatever the underworld may be. And, mm-hmm. and if it is a physical place then to get there, you're going to dig a hole. The one last thing I'm going to say is I thought it was incredible that while it was presented to us that they were going to literally dig a hole to hell and they um they're 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 digging they're going they're getting deeper and they're passing levels the boys listening to the dirt then they start actually hearing trumpets and stuff like that yeah that that was awesome that was insane but there's a moment where they're out of the hole like they decide to take a break and they're just out walking and Nathan comments, we're in the fourth level. Yeah, yeah. They're not in the hole anymore. He's, this this descent into hell is as physical, is as metaphorical as it is physical digging down into the hole. There, the hole was, was, was an idea, but it's the fact that they set out on the path to hell that got them there not because they actually dug the hole and they're just out walking and they cross into another level because they made the choice to go to hell and they were going to get there because it turns out it's real easy. Little things like that, I think, are what make the, if Antrim, the, the 80 minutes in the middle was all that existed, that stuff would be kind of corny. But because of all of the the, per, the 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 pomp and circumstance that was built around this, that all adds to the creep factor, adds to this idea of 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 finding the unseen, which is quite literally what a cult is defined as. I mean that that's the literal translation. So I, I just the 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 love that went into this, I, it it touched me on a very personal level. Because I, I mean, I'm, I, I can't say I'm as kind of nihilistic a, as you are about a lot of things because I, I don't know that I put faith in these things, but I, I do, I do study them, uh, mm-hmm. and I do, and I do read them a lot. And, and there's, there's, there's a lot more people who kind of, you know, believe in these things happening certain ways that than you know than there are me. So, mm-hmm. I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not out here thinking I'm going to summon anything. But again, I. There's, I have a reverence for the occult and occultism that that shine through in this movie, and it just it warmed my heart. I can always trust <laughs> that you are going to, uh, you know, put on your mayoral hat because you're mayor of a uh, of a cult town. Ayo. And, um, and you get you get you, you get your professor hat when we've got something yeah. that has some sort of deep literary theme. Yeah, and I, I have it here. It's it's always with me. Uh, <laughs> there, was, there was no need to use it today. 
and um, and yeah and i get i get i get to be the mayor of mayor of a cult town there you so go. i'm okay with that uh and this leaves us with our rankings so um daniel you had some good ideas uh but i think the best one that you had was baphomet ovens <laughs> it's it's gotta be right i mean it, it, it's, the, it's most... the image from the movie yeah yeah i mean it's, it's right here in front of us if we're watching you know there's there's baphomet front and center um so out of a possible five baphomet ovens how many baphomet ovens do you give this there's i mean no nobody is questioning this at this point to to listen to the way i've talked about this movie i it's it's all i've thought about I, i'm sure that it's all i'm gonna think about for at least 48 <laughs> hours um it's it, it 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 was interesting and it was weird and it was experimental and and i loved it and i loved it and i can't wait to watch it again and let's face it again and again i i think that they i think that they definitely you know shot for the moon and landed squarely on that son of a bitch it uh i love everything they did about this much in the way that uh what was it that we did not long ago that we, we like we fight so there was something we five starred and said i've only seen it the once so i can't gold star it yet like that's yeah. black phone, that, black phone. Yeah. yeah that's how i feel about this and um i, I this is this is definitely five bof, uh, uh bof ovens for me uh, I I think that it's intriguing. I think that it's that it's lofty and it's heady and it's and like I said and it's it's all those it's all those pretentious words that that, that we keep using <laughs> because it 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 deserves that. I I am simultaneously fascinated and not surprised by the fact that this thing flew so under the radar. Yeah, because I can see this being the world to people like me and meaning absolutely nothing to the general population. <laughs> yeah. And, and so while, while I'm ready to build a cult um, uh, to this movie and uh, go back to school just to study this particular movie, I can understand <laughs> why that, why it's not for everybody, but yeah, this thing, this thing is a five, is a solid five Baphomet uh, ovens for me. What about you? I figured it would be for you. Um, so uh, go with me on this journey. I finished the movie yesterday and I said, um, I'm not sure where I stand, but if I had to rate it right now, I'd probably give it a three. Okay. Um, then like you, I thought about it a lot today. Um, not throughout the whole day, but sporadically be like, Oh, this was kind of cool. Oh, this other thing was kind of cool. Um, and so I said, you know what? Um, it's effective at what it does. And I think what they set out to do, uh, they, they did, they, they accomplished. So I can't give it as low as three. I was going to give it three and a half, but then while we're talking, I'm like, man, you know what? It, it is, it is pretty, pretty good. <laughs> yes. Um, it is, it, it, it is, it is pretty good. I don't know that I would say it's great. Right. Um, as, as a movie, I don't think that it's great as an exercise in scaring your audience. This is incredible. Um, for me personally, I can't give this a five because, um, to, to what I love to do is I love to sit down and I love to think about movies and, uh, the way that you just did with the occult and all that stuff. Like, that's what I like to do with like the, the critical analysis, the right. literary analysis. And there's nothing to do that for here no, because that's not the purpose of this movie. So the fact that I'm going to give this four 
Baphomet ovens to me is um, it, it's it's bewildering because <laughs> there, there's there's very little of what I enjoy in movies in this. And yet it's so effective at what it does that you have to look at it and say, fuck, job well done. <laughs> so, so so for me, it's it's four Baphomet ovens. Uh, if I'm mathing correctly, that's four and a half Baphomet ovens. And uh, that ain't a score to shake a stick at. No, there, there, there's nothing wrong with that. If, if, if you're not even a stick that's actually a wand that that oh, uh, that that yeah. wards demons off, right? Or do you just point it at the worst squirrel ro- <laughs> animatronic of all time? <laughs> like that was a moment. That was the one moment where I was like, I don't even know if this is intentionally bad or if okay, they just so- couldn't find any stock footage of a squirrel. I I think that it was a callback, and and maybe I'm wrong, but I think it was a callback to uh, Evil Dead. Okay, with with the with the claymation. Okay, okay, because um, there's a shot where like the camera's real low to the ground, and it comes up to them in the hole shortly before then, which reminds me of like the 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 demon cam. That uh, um, fuck, um, having a brain fart. The director Ramy, Sam Ramy, uses in all those Evil Dead movies, and and then of course, the very end of Evil Dead is all stop motion, right? You know, so um, to me, it was like, oh, okay, that's that's a callback to Evil Dead. I don't know if it is. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Uh, well, no, I mean th- this movie, you know, and, and 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 I know we're done, but this movie was full of nods to. I mean, uh, other than the fact that at the beginning I talked about those real movies, the the opening shot of this movie is uh, is from is from a film called uh, Haxon, which is from the 20s or 30s. Um, and it, it's it's generally considered to be the first ever like fictionalized documentary. It's like the original mockumentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so there are a lot of nods and callbacks to to horror movie history. Again, with, with, there's some reverence um, put behind those things. So yeah. you you could absolutely be right. Yeah. All right. So we're sitting firmly at four and a half Baphomet ovens. For Antrim, the deadliest film ever made. If you've listened now and you haven't watched this, I promise you it's still worth watching because yeah, yeah. Even even if even if we've kind of taken away the surprise of some things, there are there are there are some great shots that we couldn't even talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we just didn't have time. There are some there are some great camera tricks. There's a lot of really fun stuff. Highly highly recommend you watch this one. If you are listening and it's your first time and you are wondering where you can find our other episodes, if you head to shiverpod.com, you can find links to everything you need to get to know us well. That will link you to our Instagram, our Facebook, our Twitter, everywhere you can download our podcast. Spotify and iTunes, I know, are the most popular. It will also link you to our YouTube page because if you're just listening, you missed out on some awesome visuals today. Yes, you Um, did. And so check us out. Even if you don't watch us live, you can always go back and watch us on our YouTube channel, which there is also a link to over at shiverpod.com. So go check us out. Follow us on our social media. We try to have some fun uh, with, uh, with memes and stuff. What's hilarious is I didn't even realize how occult driven this movie was going to be when I made that meme yesterday about me rushing to explain occult references in a movie. I made that meme before I watched this yesterday. So the synchronicity there is, um, is disgustingly obvious. And, uh, and it, again, 
power of belief, right? I, 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 I manifested it. <laughs> so on behalf of all of us here at Shiver, fright you very much.